1: Quivering for quiddity about Quicksilver, quinine, and quinces. This is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. Today's show is episode 231. And of course, I am your humble host, Karen, and we are your youthful yogis yammering about yogurt, yolks, and yocto seconds. (laughs) I'm Colin. (laughs) I'm Dana.
2: And I'm Chris. Yoctosecond. What uh, what division is that, Karen?
1: It is one septillionth of oh a gosh. second. Excellent. Uh, which wow. is ten to the negative twenty-four. Fantastic. Wow. Since I got this list open, let me share some. I think I think for us, we all have heard of nanosecond. Yeah. Uh, past yeah. that, we have picosecond, mm-hmm. femtosecond.
2: I've heard of those bad. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Atosecond, Atto second, A T T O, Atto second, Zepto second, Yocto yeah. second. Yeah. Uh, they all sound like weird Star Wars characters. They do.
3: Well, approximately one femto second to go. I didn't think I was going to be on uh, this week's episode uh, because we were on vacation uh, this weekend, but we just, we got home a little early. I got home and then I'm like, wait a minute. It's like one. I can, I can jump on this episode after all.
1: Yay.
3: Yay. I'm here. And I've prepared nothing. So we'll just, I'll just sort of coast
2: along and you're like, you're like the in-studio kind of the, the, ho- the, the, co-host on our morning show, right? You're in charge of like the sound effects and <laughs> right, the, right, you know, right.
3: Right. The, the, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. right. 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 Right good <laughs> job. So um I was at uh, I was actually at a, it's a place called, it's called Great Wolf Lodge. Um it's this uh, chain basically like imagine a Vegas hotel resort casino but like for kids. As you upgrade your hotel rooms, you don't upgrade them to like penthouse suites and stuff like that. You upgrade them so that there's like more weird stuff in it for the kids so like there's oh, like a oh, weird the, the kids like slept in um, a little cabin like kind of that was inside the room called oh. like Wiley's Den you could upgrade that to more of a cottage sort of thing you know <laughs> Um and uh, there's the, the there's a big indoor water park and just all this kind of stuff that you can do but the most interesting thing we did is this thing called Magic Quest and it's basically like an it's like it's a video role playing game that just takes place throughout the entire building Oh, Um,
1: like a scavenger hunt, kind of? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So you buy a, it's like, it's like, war. it's like, it's like, wow, basically. It's like you buy a magic wand and then your magic wand has a little IR sensor in it. And so when you wave the magic wand at any of the various stations or things all around the place, it knows who you are and where you're at on your quest you see like there's a, you know, big video screens and it's, it's like, I bet you, we know some of the people who've made this. Like, I'm not really sure who made this, but it's like a video game. And it's like the characters come out and they're just like, they're like, Oh, tiny, tiny Magi, you've, you you're here to, to save our, our beautiful forest. We need you to go find the disco pine cone and the, uh, the funky fungus in the forest and bring me back those things. And so it's like, instead of like a fetch quest of now we're, running all over the lobby and all over the whole resort basically looking for this mushroom <laughs> and this hive of honey and you wave your wand at it to collect it and so you bring all the stuff back and it's like oh now you've you've created this rune oh no something's going on in whispering woods better get over there and you run over there and there's a boss fight. And use the runes that you put together to like fight this boss, and like they've you know, got an energy meter. You got to do all the stuff right with your wand, and it took us like I don't know, like four hours, I would say, oh my like a whole thing, like spread across, you know, the the vacation to do the whole thing. that you can beat the final boss and get the ending and the the end and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's it was it was just it was really fun. It was like this, you know, like um kind of you know small role playing game, but like had you running all around to collect items and bring them back to various stations and things like that.
1: Who had more fun, Chris, out of your whole family? Like, did you have the most fun? (laughs) No, no,
3: no, our two-year-old had the most fun. Oh, really? Because there's a water park in there. So, I mean, she's just like, wah! You
1: know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right, without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Uh Hotshot. I have a random Trivial Pursuit card, and you guys have your barnyard buzzers ready. Here we go. Let's answer some questions. Blue Edge for Geography. In which European city would you find the Luxembourg Gardens and the Latin Quarter? Colin. Mm, Paris. You Mm. are correct. It is Paris. Pink Wedge for Pop Culture. According to The Simpsons series creator Matt Groening... Who are Homer, Marge, Lisa, and Maggie named after?
2: Oh, Oh. come on.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, uh, Chris. Uh,
3: Renaissance painters. (laughs) (laughs) uh, It's it's members
1: of his family. Yep. His parents and sisters. Uh, So really he is Bart. All right. Yellow Wedge. Which religious leader was born Jorge Mario Bergoglio? (laughs) Sorry. Let me say that. Jorge Mario, yeah, Bergoglio.
3: Oh. oh, oh. I want to say this is Pope Francis?
1: Correct, it is. Yeah, okay, nice. Pope Francis. Purple Wedge, which American author's first novel is set in Pamplona, Spain? Hmm. Colin.
2: Uh, it seems like Hemingway is a safe guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ernest, yeah. Hemingway. Ernest. Ernest Hemingway.
1: Ernest <laughs> Hemingway. Yes, Ernest. Him <laughs> yeah. and his. His multi-toed cats. Um, yes. Do you know what book it was? His first novel.
0: Mm,
2: here's where I have to admit I have actually actually read Sorry. not all of <laughs> Hemingways.
3: Sun Also Rises? Yes, it yeah, is The Sun nice. Also
1: Rises. Green Wedge for Science. What is the name of the transparent layer that forms the front of the human eye? Ooh. Chris. The cornea. Yes. I get it confused with aqueous humor, which I think that's That's just like like, inside your eye. Yeah. That's like the jelly. Yeah. 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 Uh, All right. Last question. Orange wedge sports. Good old sports. In NFL football, it says. In NFL (laughs) football. That's what the card says. That's the National Football League. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) To contrast
2: it with CFL football, Karen. Yes. Mm -hmm. XFL.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. What is the rule called that states that a receiver must keep full control of the ball even after hitting the ground?
3: What is the rule called? The rule that says you have to keep full control of the ball even after hitting the ground.
2: Holding. Can, you have to maintain football control. Gotcha. Right. Is that is the, that what it's
3: they're named after a mean.
1: person? If that. Oh. oh really?
3: Okay. The Homer. The Homer Simpson. The
1: Bradshaw. Uh, Homer Graining. The the the, <laughs> Calv- the Calvin Johnson rule. Ah uh,
2: yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. Calvin Johnson.
1: No. Calvin Johnson rule. All right. Good job, Breeze. <laughs> So this week's episode is inspired by a special national holiday that occurs on April 30th. April 30th is National Boba Day here in the the United States. So national Ah. for, for United States is National Boba Day. And that got me thinking about things that are round, things that are circles, things that are spherical. And I don't think we dedicated an episode to a shape. Before. But today's the first time. This week, we're going in circles.
2: Well, I'll start us off here. I have a Not a dad joke for you guys, but I got this is a, a classic bit of dad trivia, maybe, or a casual bar trivia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, so okay. now Just this this mad. is not a joke, all right? This is a serious question, even though I am smirking like a dad while I'm asking. It feels
4: it. like I, a dad setup. Well, I, this I, is I need to
2: wanna- yeah. <laughs> there is a very specific answer I am fishing for here. Okay. I will tell you that. But I want I want you to imagine this question kind of in the you know. Your friend at the bar asking you a question, you know, trying to stump you or, you know, maybe this is like on a, a job interview just to sort of see how you how you think, you know, like, yeah, it's it's okay. it's not a joke, not a riddle. There There is an answer to this. <clears throat> why is a manhole cover round? OK, Oh, I know why. I yeah. don't. I think I you know may that. have heard this one before. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So
3: the well, the dad trivia answer is, and maybe you're going to tell me that this is actually not the case, but that if you had a if you had a square manhole, then it would be a man slot, not a man. No. Then um, if you had a square <laughs> manhole, a square manhole cover yeah. could fall into a square mm. manhole, but oh. a round manhole cover can't
2: fall into a ah. round manhole. Is that is that what you've heard as well, Dana? Is that is that what you were thinking?
4: Because the diagonal is longer than the sides of a square, so yep, it would right, be able right. to fall right in. Yeah, that
2: that is absolutely the answer I was fishing for. Uh, thank you for not letting me down. The, those those statements are in fact true. That that if you have you know a manhole manhole cover and you assume that the the sort of the lip under the edge is is just thick enough just to support the cover, that a circle a round shape will not fall in on itself even if you have it up on the edge and As you can imagine, this is really good for safety reasons, right? I mean, these suckers, you know, can weigh 200, 250 pounds, you know, cast iron. You you absolutely do not want a 200 pound cast iron disc sliding down at you from above when you're in a very tight space. It's just absolute recipe for disaster. In addition to that... There are a number of other very reasonable reasons <laughs> that a manhole cover is round. So this is where the dad trivia is true as far as it goes, but doesn't really tell the whole story. Um, so for one thing, it's just easier to manufacture a round oh, huge yeah. hunk of metal. You know, it's also part of the reason that you know barbells and dumbbells classically are round is you it's kind of easier to roll them around if you need to. Oh. You don't have to lift and carry oh, it, Lord, it everywhere. You can kind of you know roll it a short distance. You know, a giant barrel of oil too. It's it's it has advantage to have it be round but yeah it's it's easier to put back on you don't need to worry about the orientation which way it's turned and then of course just purely financially uh, it just uses the least amount of material needed to cover a width of a given size as you know basic geometry and, and your eyeballs will tell you uh, a, a, a circle of a given width just uses less material than a square of the same width. And on and on and on. There are other, you know, related reasons. Uh, it's less likely to warp unevenly. Uh, it's maybe safer if it pops off. There's not a dangerous corner poking out in the middle of traffic. Um, on and on. So if anyone ever asks you that question with kind of a twinkle in the eye, yeah, that's what they're looking for. Is that it can't it, it can't fall in on itself.
1: But doesn't hurt to also talk about all of the things you you, yeah. you absolutely you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Did you know? Did you
2: know? Quietly
4: sip their beer. awkwardly (laughs) remember not to talk to you again.
2: (laughs) That's how you might drive away the person next to you uh, at the bar. I can now (laughs) let me tell you how to drive away the five or six people in the radius around you at the bar. (laughs) Okay. Okay. The the far nerdier observation and answer to make here is: it is true that a circle. shape will not fall in on itself in in the manhole manhole cover scenario but there are indeed many other shapes that will not fall in on themselves as well in fact any shape that is a quote curve of constant width will satisfy this requirement now what is a curve of constant width all right so a circle absolutely the simplest case of a curve of constant width it has curved edges and no matter how you rotate it it, it has the same width. You know, if you were to imagine to like, you had a pair of calipers, right? Or, you know, like you put it between two blocks of wood. No matter how you turn that circle, those blocks of wood aren't going to move back and forth. Whereas, there are
1: other shapes that do
2: that? There are. There is a class of shapes in particular called Rouleau polygons. And these are named after physicist Franz Rouleau. R-E-U-L-E-A-U-X. Oh, okay. Rouleau polygons. Rouleau. And uh, I, I guarantee you have seen sort of the, the simplest, most classic case of uh, one of these, which is a Rouleau triangle, which is what he kind of wrote the most about. And what a Rouleau triangle is, is I want you to imagine a triangle, an equilateral triangle. OK, so all, all sides the same length. But instead of being straight, the, the sides are segments of a circle. So imagine if a circle kind of bowed out on the edges. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a
4: strawberry, kind of.
2: Uh, You know, you'll see this shape a lot for like highway signs or government seals or logos or things like that. If you like, it took a triangle and kind of just inflated it a
1: little bit. A bloated triangle. A bloated triangle. triangle, That's better.
2: I like that. A bloated triangle. In addition to being very pretty to look at, a Rouleau triangle, and indeed any Rouleau polygon, is a curve of constant width. If you put a rouleau triangle between two chunks of wood and you turn it and rotate it, those chunks of wood will stay the exact same width apart the entire rotation through, even though it is not a circle. It has kind of pointy edges. And so, if you were to manufacture a manhole shaft in the, <laughs> or a cover at least in the shape of a rouleau triangle or a, right, or a rouleau uh, pentagon, right. it would also not fall in on itself because those are curves of constant width.
1: Whoa. All
2: right. Yeah. This, this one, this...
3: as one side is getting less bloated, the other side is bloating up. Too, exactly.
4: Too. I made some toys on my Instagram with those mm-hmm. with rouleau triangles. Yeah. So you can move things up and down with it. Mm-hmm. It stays That's right. the same dif- distance. but
2: And Dana, in fact, what Franz Rouleau was was interested in is translating linear motion from rotating shapes. And this is how he got interested in this shape in particular was it rotates, but the, the width does not change.
1: Other than the Rouleau triangle, are all the other Rouleau shapes like Bloated versions. That's of a, exactly
2: right. Any okay. other. So you could have a six sided rouleau polygon, which that's is just um, That's right. They're bloated and they all have constant width, constant mm. diameter. So a few episodes ago, uh, Chris, you had a question oh. for us about mm. uh, what distinguishes the Canadian $1 coin or the, mm. the loony, yes. if yes. you will. And the answer was it has 11 sides. It, uh, it is a, a hendecagon. Yes. And like our like our dad trivia here that that is true as far as it goes it has 11 sides but it is not a regular hendecagon the canadian 1 dollar coin is a 11-sided Rouleau polygon it is Whoa. a rulo 11gon now what that means is if you have automated machinery, for instance, vending machines, where the width of a coin needs to be constant, oh! this satisfies that requirement.
1: That makes so much
2: sense. Mm-hmm. It is or like very, coin sorting
1: machines. Yes, yeah. coin
2: sorting machines. It's very pleasing to look at. I learned <laughs> that when the U.S. government introduced the Susan B. Anthony dollar, uh, one of the ideas, sort of in the in the thinking planning stage, was maybe it'll be an eleven-sided you know, Rouleau polygon. They ended up not doing that. Uh, They ended up making it, it is is a perfect circle, but they stamped on the inside, they inscribed uh, an 11-sided figure, maybe to sort of hint at what they were getting at, uh, also to try and visually differentiate it. But the Canadian $1 coin, they did it. They went through, they gave us a uh, (laughs) 11-sided coin. They are not the only coin. There are other international coins that are Rouleau shapes, which I've learned is very popular. Yeah. So at this point, you've now driven away everybody except the bartender. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you are, but you are the most correct person you know, in that. The bartender
4: bar. is way on the other side of the That's bar. Right. You will not <laughs> get another drink for the rest of the night.
1: <laughs> so, like I said at the beginning of the show, April thirtieth is National Boba Day here. National, as in national here in the U.S. But it is National Boba Day pretty much every day in the birthplace of boba which is my <laughs> homeland taiwan and and boba has emerged as such a huge symbol uh for taiwanese identity and pride and i don't know how to describe this but like boba really is is consumed anytime all times <laughs> of the day it like it's like a life source it's like manna you know like <laughs> tea shops and stands are everywhere it's where you go after school it's where you go for a break it's it's almost kind of like kind of our coffee breaks in America, yeah. you know, it's kind of a social thing or a treat for yourself. It's as, it's as close as
3: we've gotten to that vision of the future where all nutrition is dispensed in, like, you know, perfectly round balls or something <laughs> like that.
1: It's people. Yeah. Um, what is boba? It's not people. It's pe- at the core. <laughs> mm-hmm. At the core, the most standard original form is black tea with milk, sweeteners. Mm-hmm and a scoop of large caramel colored tapioca balls. Uh the balls are about like 1 centimeter wide. It usually is served cold with ice and it comes in a plastic cup and a large wide straw so you can uh suck the the balls up the straw. Uh you drink the tea, you get a few of the tapioca balls and you chew and eat and it's like having a a snack and a drink at once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also known as bubble tea, pearl tea, tapioca tea, you know, boba has really become just a blanket term for customizable tea with customizable toppings. Uh, nowadays, you can like pretty much personalize almost every aspect. Of tea, mm, like mm. it doesn't even have to be black tea. It can be green tea, fruit tea, slushy. It doesn't have to have milk, or even if you want milk, there's almond milk, soy milk. You know different types of milk. How much milk? Um, and instead of boba, if you you don't like boba, the the tapioca balls. There's lychee jelly. There's like mm. scoops of flan you can put in your tea. Whoa. Of all the sources that I've I've poured over, <laughs> it, it's clear that it is unclear who <laughs> came up with boba milk tea first Hmm. like famous foods we've talked about on the show before like uh cheese steaks and cubanos like it's always a uh many places more than one place would claim to be the birthplace, (laughs) right right but we know that it happened around 1980s in taiwan before we get into it i want to ask you guys what is your boba drink of choice uh, I do like just the original classic. I I've always been a big fan of the taro, um,
4: the taro mm. milk. Uh, it's the purple one. It tastes like melted ice cream. That's why
1: I like it. It tastes like melted. Ice. It tastes delicious. <laughs> it works well with the balls. I always go with cl- the classic. Or uh, these days, you know, if I'm in the the kind of the fruity mood, maybe like mango green tea yeah. with the lychee jelly. Mm. Mm. Chris, I what about you?
3: I, I do like the cheese tea, but that's not what we're talking about.
1: Oh, that's part of that's count. That's oh, counts yeah, as boba. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. cheese topping, the, cream the cheese tent. topping. I love the it's cheese. Big topping. Tent. That stuff is great. <laughs> yeah, it's a big tent. <laughs> it is it, literally, it's just <laughs> really <the, laughs> any drink, anything you can people. suck
4: up from a jumbo straw.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like when you get like an Irish, like a good Irish coffee, and they put like yes. a slotted cream that just sits yeah, on top. Yeah, not yeah. whipped cream, but like a th- sort of thick mm. layer,
1: but it's more salty.
3: It's salty, yeah, it's like salty, but they call it like salty cheese, but it's more like kind of salty cream. So
1: as I dug deeper into boba lore, uh, what I found, the invention of boba is actually a culmination of like a few key moments in history. So let's talk about the boba balls. Boba balls are essentially tapioca balls. We might be familiar with like the smaller variety, like in tapioca pudding, which is like the small white kind of clear. Mm, um, and and mm. the, the boba balls in the classic boba milk tea is like a jumbo version with some caramel color, some sweetener. Do you guys know what is tapioca? Is it cassava? Yeah, it is. It's like the, Good job, Dana. starch, yeah. right? Or- yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tapioca is describing the starch of the cassava plant. And cassava, well, the root tuber, like it kind of looks like a long potato. Cassava, also known as yuca, we might see them in some grocery stores. And tapioca is the starch extraction. It's almost like, you know, it's like flour is to wheat as tapioca is to cassava, Hmm. right? It is like the starch form. The cassava is native to Central America and South America. And there's even evidence that the Mayans were cultivating cassava uh, for food. And in the 16th century, in the high times of maritime trade and uh, colonialism, Uh uh, the Portuguese were traveling a lot in and out of what is modern day Brazil. Um, They brought the cassava from Brazil to Africa. They also introduced the cassava to Asia. Mm. And in the 1600s, you know, there was a lot going on in the little island that is Taiwan. We got the Dutch East India Company that was there. Uh, The Portuguese were there. The Ming Chinese was there. Of course, there was also the indigenous population. Lots going on. And so the Portuguese introduced cassava and has become a really important crop in Asia. Cassava is used to produce biofuel. The starch, you know, tapioca, it's also used to produce MSG. Um, And get this. Laundry products. You know when people go to you know the cleaners or dry cleaners to get their shirts washed, pressed, mm. and starched? Right, get yeah. your collar starched. That is the starch, is ah. the cassava starch. It's one of the ingredients for a lot of those starching solutions. Mm. And, of course, tapioca starch is also used in a lot of Asian foods, especially in Southeast Asia. Breads, cakes, sweets, and, of course, boba balls. Mm-hmm. And before boba milk tea, before boba tea, the boba balls have traditionally been a popular dessert topping, mostly on top of like shaved ice. You know, I think Koreans have bingsu, there's Japanese shaved ice. There's always like kind of the dessert where it's like a mound of ice and there's a bunch of stuff on it. And so boba has been like a very popular topping for a really, really long time prior to boba milk tea. And I should note, this is very strange and I hope I can like describe this well, In Taiwanese cuisine, there is a great obsession with a particular texture called Q. Q, Q. the letter Mm. Q. Maybe it was based on a local word or something, but like growing up my whole life, I I know it as the letter Q. Q, the texture Q, I would personally describe it as like bouncy with a bit of stickiness, but, (laughs) but- Experts have described it as the Asian version of like al dente, elastic, chewy, springy. Um, you can find it in mochi. Mochi is Q. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of chewy, bouncy, you know, ramen or a hot pot. Maybe it had fish cakes, uh, Asian fish cakes. That that texture is Q. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, like I said, with the shaved ice, most of these Dessert toppings are Q. It's like, you know, yam balls, taro balls, uh, rice balls, tapioca balls. You see it in packaging. It's in signs. Yeah, like,
3: now, that, now that you say that, I it's like, oh, yeah, okay. I've seen the letter Q used in the signage, you know, or the
1: names of yep, boba yep. pieces. Just the letter okay, Q. Okay,
0: interesting. Uh,
1: or even QQ for super Q, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Q inflation. Yeah. Tapioca balls, boba balls are Q. Yeah. They're so yeah. Q. Yeah. They're so Q. When and how did the tea part come in? So Taiwan was under Japanese rule for about fifty years, up until the end of World War II. And there was a local Taiwanese man who was working at an izakaya, which is like a like a Japanese diner bar, as a bartender and a mixologist. And after his Japanese employer left and and went back to Japan after World War II, this man decided to use all of his bartending know how and his equipment and apply it to tea. He used the the shaker and he would handshake tea. Yeah. Importantly and distinctively, it was cold. Cold tea wasn't really a thing. And this exploded. And before boba milk tea, there was what we call bubble foam tea. Hongcha uh, mm. means foamy red tea. Cold tea became a very standard beverage and that people would enjoy. And you can have flavor teas, you can have different things. And it's just the importance is being cocktail shaken um, to get kind of that creamy, foamy quality. And of course, so now we have the foamy tea, we have the boba, Uh, you know, currently two places say that they had the idea of putting it together um, in the eighties. And that's where boba came from. So I didn't really use the term boba until only like maybe a couple years ago just because everybody calls it boba here mm-hmm. um i always called it pearl tea yeah boba colloquially we talked about the small tapioca balls the the white kind the white little kind and then we have like you know the boba balls are much bigger boba is a term to describe a buxom lady with very <laughs> large hmm. boobs
4: hmm. uh-huh
1: so a marketing ploy at some point where it's like, oh yeah, we know the small tapioca balls, but here there are some Bazonka, like big tapioca balls. Busty milk tea. <laughs> yeah. It, you know yeah. what? It's busty milk tea. And and weirdly, in, in the translation, you also say milk, and there's like this weird connotation with you yeah. know boobs and milk. So yeah, busty milk tea is is more appropriate. So the next time you enjoy any type of boba tea remember that it is such a culmination of so many different things in world history that kind of came together and now you drink it through a a very big straw i love it to end my segment i have a food balls quiz international food balls where the answer (laughs) is a food ball house of international food balls (laughs) okay there's a market for that I there is a market for i I think you know a lot lot of people like eating food on a stick yeah Yeah. imagine just like
2: yeah yeah a buffet of you know all the same size Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know you just grab your stick and
4: yeah. Well my kid would only eat round food. There was really a, there was like a little period where it was all meatballs and bread <laughs> balls and cheese balls like every cheese <laughs> balls.
1: All right. Well maybe you'll do really good in this quiz. <laughs> yeah, all yeah. Right. Here we go. All right. What Italian food ball translates to little orange?
3: Oh, oh, no. oh. no, no 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 no. 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 Oh,
1: no. What was your guess? Oh wait,
3: oh no no no. Actually, I'm gonna go with this, okay? Arancini.
1: Correct, ah, okay. is yeah. arancini. Okay. Ah, arancini. I never thought the, about it's that. It's the rice ball. Fried mm. risotto ball oh, of Italy so has nothing to do with orange, except no, for the fact orange? that it looks like an wow. orange. Looks yeah, like no, it word. looks like yeah. a little
3: orange. That's what brought me back to, wait a minute, I think that might be it.
1: We are probably familiar with Ferrero Rocher. Do we <laughs> yes. all know Ferrero yeah, Rocher. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. not really easy to say Ferrero too many r's too many yeah. r's in there they got to lose one or two yeah, of those r's. yeah. um which is like a, a chocolate hazelnut truffle ball wrapped in gold foil it has a twin or it has a sibling that oh. is white almond coconut what is it called hmm, hmm. this is a brand name or... This is, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's, I can, it's Ferrero I can something
3: it. else I can picture it too. What
4: is it?
3: Oh, it's Ferrero yeah. something else. Um,
2: oh.
3: Fer-
1: nah, Fer- I know it. Fer- Blanchet. Blanchet. Yeah. yeah. It is uh, Raffaello. Raffaello. Oh. Raffaello. Oh. Raffaello. Oh. Rafael. Yes, Raffaello. Yeah. <laughs> Which language <laughs> am I trying to pronounce? Raffaello.
2: It's like the matter anti-matter versions.
1: Yes, yes, <laughs> <it's> the anti-matter <laughs> version. So in in back in Taiwan for Rocher was huge. Amy, oh, really? My gosh, you can buy a bouquet, bouquet of flowers, but each flower is a Ferrero Rocher <laughs> yeah. and it's like gold and it's like yeah. so fancy. It's so fancy. And then I came here and I was like, oh. <laughs>
3: Wasn't it um there was Good a market. I don't know if it was a TikTok or it was somebody who like um their dad loved Ferrero Rochers and so they wanted to uh they wanted to prank them. Uh, And the dad hated Brussels sprouts, so they took Brussels sprouts (laughs) and coated them in chocolate, like made them look like Ferrero Rochers, and like left them out as a – rewrapped
2: them and left them
1: out as a trap.
2: Love the commitment. Oh,
1: Oh, oh my gosh. (laughs) That's funny. Um, All right, next question. In 2019, McDonald's debuted the first vegan Happy Meal for kids. Really? Uh, this happened in Sweden. Okay. Happened okay. right. in Sweden, featuring what kind of food balls?
4: Hmm.
1: Common. Oh. I mean, in Sweden,
2: it's got to be uh, vegan meatballs, vegan Swedish meatballs. No, it's not. No? It's Actually, hmm. not Swedish
1: nope. in um, in, in, oh. in heritage. I think
2: I figured oh. it out. Oh, oh. Chris.
1: Oh.
3: I here we go. Falafel.
1: You
0: are
2: correct. Oh. Oh. Yeah.
1: Falafel. Makes- so in- instead of like a, a little baggie of chicken nuggets, it's like yeah. a little baggie of falafel, very smart. which which are naturally yeah. vegan. Yeah, very made smart. out of chickpeas, neither chicks nor peas. <laughs> <laughs> the method of making this Danish pancake food ball is very similar to how Japanese takoyaki is made. Those are called.
3: Oh, God.
1: Yeah. Uh... <laughs>
4: It's it's like yeah. I know it.
3: I've eaten it. I just gotta process the word, pull it out. Okay. They are called able skivers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh wow.
1: Yeah. 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 Able skivers. They're yeah. they're usually sweet. Um, and and yes. Abel Skeever, I think, means literally means like slices of apples or apple slices, because mm. uh, that's usually the filling. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, Takoyaki is savory and it has octopus. But it is but, yeah. true. And, and in they fact, you go the down, same way.
3: if you go down to Solvang, California, and um, there's many places that serve them, but there's one place that they make them right out in front, you know, so you can see them making them. And yeah, it's like a t- little Takoyaki pan. And, we, and they use two sticks to flip them. Too. Yeah. You know, it's like the technique. Developed separately in different yes. parts of the world, except Isn't for it's crazy? chopsticks and all. Except for one of them, it's they, it's just full of octopus instead because they were like, let's ruin this.
1: <laughs> you don't like takoyaki?
3: I'd rather. I think I'd rather have evil Skyvers.
1: <gasps> okay, is it is it the texture?
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I just think, I mean, I'll eat taco yaki, no problem. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, It's okay. just, it's just, it is, it is kind of weird, you know, to be like eating a eating like a little round pancake, and then you now, now I'm chewing on a piece of octopus. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the boba tea of pancakes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's all the things. In there. It is octopus is. Cute. It is. It maybe is maybe a little bit yeah. too. It's a little bit too sturdy. It's but, bouncy. But it's, yeah, yeah. It's bouncy. It's bouncy. Yep. All yep. right. Well, um, not not enough time in the world. It, because there's just so many food balls, so little time. Uh, That's the end of my quiz. Maybe I'll come back. There's just every culture has food balls. balls. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
1: Good job, Karen. Good job, Colin. Good Good job, Dana. Good
4: job, Chris. Good job, Brian. Who is Brian? I'm actually, actually, you're listening listening to Good Job Brain. Good job, Brain.
1: Good job, Brain. And we're back. You're listening to Good Job Brain. And this week, we're talking about circles. That's right, and I have a quiz about circles.
4: Huh. <laughs> uh, let's do it right in.
3: Oh. Oh,
1: yeah. dang, okay. Oh, man. You are free to give asterisks and bonus points <laughs> <It's> on. <laughs> get ready. Get the wingdings out. We're going <laughs>
4: to. Okay. Okay. Let's get this started. You all will keep your own scores, and we can report back on okay uh,
2: all right i I
4: believe in you guys i trust you
2: Mm -hmm.
4: all right here we go yeah first question which 1994 song from a disney film was nominated for both an oscar and uh for song of the year at the grammys once again this is a circle quiz
2: going easy Um, on me dana (laughs) Like when you you say Disney song and I'm Uh against like Chris and Karen, I mean, it's like, oh man, throw me a line here. So I appreciate it.
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then for, I'll say half a point each, I'm going to, I'm going to dice it up where you can, there are two other songs from that same movie that were nominated for Oscars
3: that year. Mm. Can you name
4: the other two Oscar nominated songs from that
2: movie? Okay. Okay. I think I can make a safe guess on. So you're saying one. there's three songs total that
1: three got nominated. Three songs. Wow, one point really? For the
4: circle song, half a point each for the <laughs> for the other two songs. It's oh gonna get, man, it's not going to get any more <sighs> correct. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, Chris has "Circle of Life." Yes, everybody has "Circle of Life" as the answer. That is the song, but. Can you feel the love tonight? And Hakuna Matata nice, Chris. were the other two, and
2: I got Hakuna Matata, and then Hey, everyone, watch out for hyenas, which okay. I, I think was be, be prepared. Yeah, yeah. Be prepared.
1: Hey, everyone. Watch yeah. Out, out for hyenas. hyenas. That's what it yeah. is. Mean- you know. <laughs> um-
3: no, I had uh, <laughs> I knew it, I, it had to be. Can you feel the love tonight? Because that was yeah. huge. that was oh, on Elton so John. John. Totally. It was a pop hit. Totally, the thing totally. I was going back and forth on is that Hakuna Matata obviously is very popular now, but also Elton John had recorded a version of I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Yes, mm. so I was wondering if maybe that also maybe that was it, but in the end, mm. I had to go with Hakuna Matata.
4: So which toy, first sold in 1965, uses a set of discs with holes and gear teeth and lets the user draw mathematical roulette curves?
0: Hmm.
1: I believe some of those pieces are rouleau polygons, but just yes. with gear, yeah. gear teeth. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: The original set
1: was just circles,
4: but then they did add more. Rouleau. Those are
1: fun.
2: Those were a lot of fun. You got it? hmm
4: Ready? Yeah. Show your answers. Answer everybody has Spirograph. Yes, the Spirograph.
2: Do they um, still sell that? Is there like a modern version of that? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, Is yeah. There? Okay. Some, yeah, they still some have funky it. Funky yep. shapes, yeah.
4: some bars. And,
2: Seems like it's an evergreen yeah. toy. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
4: Well, I think it kind of fell out of favor for a while and then they reintroduced it. They relaunched it in 2013. Okay. So, not that long ago.
1: All right. But now and they now, have
4: like bigger versions. Yeah. The they shapes have, are crazier. They have putty so it'll keep your ring in place. Oh, like oh, little removable putty. That's smart.
2: That's really
4: smart. Yeah. Okay. What's the name of the geometric shape you get if you revolve a circle in three dimensional space about an axis that is coplanar with the circle? You're revolving a circle around a circle, basically.
2: You're okay. going to get a 3D shape. Revolving a circle around. You're
4: using a circle to uh-huh. draw something. Uh huh. And you're following the path of a circle.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I yeah. understand what you're asking. Yeah, yeah,
4: okay. Yeah. I want the geometric name for it.
1: I don't know if Not this the is the name. plural version. Okay. Of okay. All right. Okay. Oh, okay. okay, 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 sure. Right. Yeah.
4: Okay. You ready? What do we have? Got Taurus, Taurus, Toroid. I'll give you toroid. And to- yeah. toroid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's donut shape is the colloquial <laughs>
2: word for it. Right.
4: Okay. Which Teletubby has a circle on top of its antenna? Blast oh, from the I have past, it, guys. I have, that, I have that mnemonic. Oh,
2: man. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just leave if we can name them, right? There's. Is there... Wait, wait, wait. This
4: is part of the. Oh, okay. Um, all, okay. Right. all right. All right. Writing this down. Okay. How about for a quarter of a point, <laughs> if you can <laughs> name all four of them, but highlight the one that you think has the circle on top of its head. Oh, oh so man. we're naming all of them. Yeah. Name all of them, but draw a circle around the name okay it <laughs> has a
2: circle man oh geez <laughs> all right i'm just gonna karen's taking this so seriously right now she's she's yeah
4: this used to come up all the
2: time for oh us it did yeah man well,
4: yeah like we had a mnemonic for it you made yeah yeah
2: like to the colors right. even i'm yeah. ready yeah all Oh, jeez. Right. Oh, right. okay all, all right. right
4: all right karen you want to say your answer okay
1: i put Lala, Dipsy, Tinky Winky, and Poe. Poe is the one with the circle on its head.
3: I had put, you know, unfortunately, I put Po 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 as the one with the circle. That's okay. We'll give it to it you.
4: Wait, I'm the one. I'm grading it. <laughs> I think that's half a point. I don't okay. have a full point. Well, I put. For
3: well, I, put well, I'll yeah. say I I put Po Po yeah. as the one with the circle. Then for the other three, I put Tinky Winky, Lala, and Donald Rumsfeld. I, okay. I. <laughs>
4: you so the D. D. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna give you a goofy symbol next to Donald <laughs> Rumsfeld, which okay. is redeemable for some amount of points at the end. So,
2: well, I had circled La, Lala, la, uh-huh. and then I put Poe, uh, Tipsy, and Doodle. That was as best I could do. <laughs> yeah, <another> one, so. <laughs> All
4: right, so Colin, I think you've earned two goofy symbols.
0: Uh,
4: Poe po is the answer, though. Poe oh, is the one yay! that has the circle. Oh. Poe with the circle. Uh-huh. Tinky Winky, triangle, Dipsy has a straight dipstick antenna. And
3: Lala <laughs> uh-huh. has the curly one. Yeah. Okay. Po circle, because O. Poe has dipsy, the O. Dipsy, yeah. dipstick, straight. Tinky Winky, triangle, T. Lala for
1: lightning. Lala for lightning. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, okay.
3: Well, Lala is just the other one. If you get three of the four, you should be okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: And anyway. All right. What's the title of the 2017 tech thriller starring Emma Watson and Tom Hanks?
3: Wow. Okay. Mm. That So first of all, today I learned that there is a 2017 tech thriller <laughs> starring Emma Watson and Tom Hanks. Yes. yes. And I'm trying to remember the uh, theme of <laughs> the, the quiz, tech thriller. It's
4: circle. based on a book. By Round. Dave Eggers. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh
1: Tom Hanks is supposed to be like a like a Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg kind of in one mm-hmm.
2: type, of, type okay. of dude. Okay, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Slightly nefarious, perhaps.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Set
4: in the tech world world of social media. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
3: I
2: have no idea. Okay, Might okay. Get
4: another goofy. Well, let's see. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. You're just playing to impress the judges at this point.
4: She's ready to be impressed. She's ready to be. All right. So Chris has
3: I wrote it's circle, but with no vowels. It's the name oh, of the Oh, That's
4: really good. That's really good. You know what? You get a light bulb next to that. That was a good <laughs> idea. Okay, okay.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> and then Colin and Karen put the circle, which is the correct answer. Oh, really? But, yeah.
3: But I wouldn't I have just... had. I wouldn't have gotten the the though. You know what I mean? No, that was part the of the it. The okay. really exactly.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, hexafoil is a common and very old decorative pattern. It's also huh. known as like the daisy wheel or the flower of life. It's been around since the Bronze Age. If you saw it, you'd be like, oh, OK, that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they make it by overlapping circles around a center point. It's a geometric shape
1: oh. called a
4: hexafoil. Um, and it kind of looks like a flower. How many petals or leaves are on a hexafoil?
1: OK, well, I'm not going to overthink it. Yeah, okay. I'm not it.
4: Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Don't overthink it. What do you have?
1: Six. Feel, six. Yeah, I
0: feel bad if I put
2: six. Yes. It yeah. Six. I also it's... noticed it's question number six, too. I felt like oh. Uh, oh, yeah. that
4: was an accident. That was a coincidence. <laughs> that's a light bulb moment. You get an extra light bulb for your answer, Colin. That was sweet. Good. Yeah. Um, what? I'm no. in charge of the points. <laughs>
2: <laughs> One plus light bulb.
4: Okay, so there's other flower shapes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that, that fan who's tracking all our points is like. <laughs> and he adds another column to the Google spreadsheet. We got and types goofies. In like we got, goofies, light
1: bulbs. got light
4: bulbs. Yeah. Wing Yeah. There's other flower shaped geometry that. You, you'll you'll see around like a trefoil, a quatrefoil, mm. yeah. okay. octafoil. A mm. Foil means leaf, but really they usually look like petals and it's in a radial pattern in a circle. Right, right,
2: right, yeah. right, right, right.
4: So next question, number seven. A strobe disc might be used by a DJ to calibrate what kind of equipment? What's a strobe disc for? I know
1: this. Strobe disc? Yep. A I DJ. know this one. I mean okay ready. ready
4: chris says light shows colin says turntable karen says uh turntable Turn it is where the turntable oh okay yeah. so it's a round disc and it has uh like lines that are evenly spaced different little sets of lines that go around and then when it spins if the lines don't look like
3: they're moving oh. that means it's oh correctly.
2: that's cool yeah
3: oh that's so interesting
1: It's really cool. Visual calibrating. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I read uh, Questlove's book about creativity a while ago, and he made lazy Susans that were strobe disc (laughs) patterns. I don't think that they could go fast enough to work as strobe. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. That's where I learned about strobe discs. (laughs) You mean Academy Award winning (laughs) Questlove. (laughs) He's going to EGOT one day. Okay. So what were binde dots used to do? Ben Day dots. Ben Day, yeah. B e n d a y, two words. B e n d a y, and then the third word.
1: Dot dots. Yeah. Ben Day dots. Yeah. Well, Colin, you know.
2: I'm pretty sure. Oh.
1: Oh. All right. So Chris says
4: applies shade to artwork. Uh, Colin says printing. What's that? Uh, like oh, grayscale gray images, yeah. and Karen says, peripheral vision, oh, you know, I almost wanna give none of you a point, even okay. though you're very close. It's to add color to images, like comic mm, books, use the color sorry. dots, yeah, right, oh, oh it's okay.
2: not
4: it's not grayscale at all, usually it's it's for color, adding color yeah. to okay, comic okay, books, okay. so like yeah. uh uh Roy Lichtenstein. His big comic book looking paintings, and they had the huge colorful dots on them. Those are yeah. those were Ben dots that he was. Got it. So you
2: it's so you can generate multiple colors using only three or four colors of ink, right? Yeah.
4: So they're like usually cyan, magenta, yellow, and black, and you layer them on top of each other. They're evenly spaced dots, but they're maybe different sizes. Half tone dots like have different sizes and different spacing, and that's how mm-hmm. they get the the grayscale um, effect. So, this is the last question. Maybe a hard question, but we'll give it a whirl. How many circles of hell are in Dante's Inferno? Uh And I'll give Uh you a little bit of a hint. There's more than four, and there's fewer than ten. Half a point for each one
2: you can think of. Oh, wait, you're asking us to name the levels? Name them? Name them if you can. Uh,
1: Not just the number. Uh Uh-oh. I mean... If you were a very Mm. religious
4: Catholic man and in italy a long time ago what do you think would put you in hell <sighs>
2: oh, all right <laughs> just a
4: competition amongst friends <laughs> as we keep reminding ourselves yeah. <laughs> actually you tell me how many you think there were first.
1: Oh, 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 uh, okay. okay, Gotcha. Yeah. First the number.
4: How
3: many? I thought that there were nine. I think it's nine nine. as well. Yeah.
4: Yes. You're all right. Nine. Okay. Okay. Okay, Okay. Good. Okay. So the, they were limbo, lust, gluttony, greed, anger, heresy, violence, fraud, and treachery. Karen,
1: do you know what your final score was? Karen? No. Yes. I, I believe it is Nine and three quarters.
2: I think right. I have 11 if I tallied the math correctly, plus one light bulb and two goofies.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh,
3: okay. So I actually have 8.5 points plus one goofy plus one light bulb.
4: Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, Colin, that's
2: it. Good job, y'all. That's that was was hard. hard. That was good. That was hard. That was good and
0: hard. Yeah. Yeah. Traffic jams, tailgating. All
2: right. I am going to take us further down the manhole hole um, (laughs) with a story that involves a manhole cover, government secrets, nuclear bombs, and an enduring mystery. Uh, Mm. And I must confess that all of the uh, manhole nerdiness at the top of the show was uh, really kind of just a a prologue to the story I really wanted to share with you guys. (laughs) So in the 1950s, uh, there was a lot of nuclear uh, bomb research taking place, as you as you know, uh, sometimes very visibly, like the Bikini Atoll experiments uh, Mm -hmm. that we talked about on the show. I'm sure you've read and seen many other places, uh, and sometimes a little more secret, a little more clandestine, uh, uh, either in secret test sites or uh, eventually underground. Now, underground nuclear testing is kind of common today. Uh, most of the tests that happen underground. But uh, there was a time when someone had to be the first one to do it, and they moved from above ground or in the air, explosions oh. ocean, explosions out in the, the ocean. And in uh, the United States, as you might imagine, we are particularly well suited to underground testing out in the Western desert states, Nevada mm-hmm. in particular, we've got a lot, a lot, a lot of wide open desert owned by the federal yeah. government. And they can do uh, pretty much whatever they want out there. <laughs> um so there was a uh, a series of 29 nuclear tests spanning May to October 1957. And this was th- this suite of tests was one of many, many tests that the government did uh, in the 1940s, 50s. So I'm going to describe Operation plum Bob. OK, do you, plum a, bob. do you guys know what a do you guys know what a Bob is? In no, uh, I, no. Yes. I keep
3: learning it and then forgetting it.
2: You might see like on a, like a job site in the street or like, you know, it's an old piece of plumber and construction equipment. It's basically at its simplest, it's just a weight on a string uh, that you suspend. So you give yourself a plumb line that, you know, is something straight up vertical.
4: Yeah, Yeah, that's right. A nice vertical
2: line. Mm -hmm. That's right. Right. Uh, As I say, a series of 29 tests uh, over several months in 1957, this took place out in the Nevada test site. Huge, huge set of exercises. I mean, thousands of personnel involved, soldiers, scientists, everybody, you know, it was, and a lot of these tests were to what are the results of nuclear explosions in various scenarios? So some of them were suspended from towers, you know, 100 feet oh. off the ground. Some of them were in hot air balloons. Never done. Or, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Some of them uh, were at surface level, right, because they'd never done them. And a goal of the uh, some of these experiments was to do the first uh, underground nuclear explosion testing. Uh, the twenty nine tests were uh, named after North American mountain ranges and famous scientists. Okay. Okay. Uh, so each each individual discrete test here out of Operation Plumb Bob had a it was named a code name, and uh, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, Pascal A and Pascal B, uh, named of course for Blaise Pascal, the seventeenth century mathematician and many other oh, things like that was his first
1: name, his blaze. First name is blaze
2: blaze yeah it's a pretty cool yeah b-l-a- it's like an american I-S-G-L-A-Z-E. gladiator name
1: uh, yeah spelled differently
2: yeah uh, the uh, american uh, gladiator would be b-l-a-z-e but yeah uh, oh yeah. it's not oh okay no okay. no b-l-a-i-s-e okay blaze. okay
1: classier <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's from French gladiators French <laughs> gladiators lay lay gladiators right. nitro e yeah. a o u x right yeah <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to tell you a little bit about a, a scientist named Dr. Robert Brownlee. And Dr. Brownlee was involved uh, in helping do a lot of the calculations for simulating the effects of an underground nuclear exp- uh, nuclear explosion. They hadn't done it before. And so, you know, there's no precedent for a lot of the things that he was doing. Uh, he did not have the advantage of modern computers. Uh, and so a lot of this was just gut level math and hard number math and working it out using the tools that you had available and and the knowledge that you had. So pascal a okay this uh was a borehole three hundred and eighty five feet deep, okay, so <laughs> about three four feet wide, straight down into the Nevada desert, and they had a bomb at the bottom of the the shaft here Whoa. Uh, in a you know in a in a kind of a containment unit, kind of concrete it wasn't just like lowered down on a rope with a fuse, like you know bugs Bunny cartoon, but you know this is a major operation right so three hundred and eighty five foot shaft nuclear bomb at the bottom. And uh, they set off the bomb. And uh, Dr. Brownlee described uh, essentially uh, a giant Roman candle, just shooting out of the shaft, oh my God. hundreds, hundreds of feet in the air. Just a just a shaft of fire. It largely did what they were hoping it would, which is that the Earth really contained oh, okay. most of the force of the explosion. Oh. Now, I, I'm not—you uh, absolutely could tell that someone had set off a nuclear bomb there, but yeah. it was not uh, nearly as, you know, disruptive or as much radiation spread as it would be like to a midair blast, for instance. Now, I should mention here, uh, giant Roman candle, flames in the air. There was on top of the shaft uh, a manhole cover. I mean, not really a manhole cover, but a, a steel, a lid, uh, right. yeah, cast iron, heavy duty, you know, lid cap, if you will, on top of the shaft, you know, <laughs> since the goal was to try and contain some of the explosion if they could. Now, keeping in mind that a big part of the spirit of science is what do you think think would happen if we tried this uh dr brownley and the team for the next experiment decided let's weld this cap in place like let's just weld it on there and see, if it, oh, see, no. see what happens see if it makes a difference you know and you know dr brownley uh, said you know he was very he was very direct he's like i you know we can weld it on but uh, i will paraphrase him that basically, uh, that cap ain't going to do nothing. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I mean, you can put, you know, masking tape over the end of a shotgun barrel, but it's yeah. not, not going to make an appreciable difference. But in the name of science, uh, they went ahead and they welded this manhole cover, this cap. Again, I, I say manhole, it's not really a manhole cover. It's, I mean, it was four uh, four inches thick. It weighed, I guess, about 2,000 pounds. Wow. Uh, okay. Cast iron, concrete, heavy duty, heavy, heavy said duty. said three
1: to four feet wide yeah but feet diameter. It, but was
3: it round
2: it was round yeah so, so it fine. did not fall in on itself yeah. exactly absolutely. you wouldn't want no, that no absolutely not on top of the nuclear bomb because
3: colin because if you were in the hole
2: and the <laughs> nuclear bomb went off
3: and then the cap fell on your head you're in trouble
2: that's yeah. like mr bean levels of <laughs> <Yeah>. nuclear <laughs> testing not yeah yet. yeah he's halfway up the shaft mm-hmm. So they went ahead. They welded this cap on. And, uh, you know, again, uh, part of the other spirit of science is, oh, this is going to be good. Uh, We can't. we got to film this. Uh, They got a high speed camera. Oh, yeah. I mean, because once once you've seen this happen once, you're like they were trying to calculate how fast. How fast do you think that cap was moving when it came off?
3: This is like, let's give the Mythbusters guys all the desert they need. Absolutely. (laughs) And and a billion dollars.
2: Yeah. So, all right, Pascal B. Essentially the same setup. Hole's a little bit deeper. <laughs> cap is welded on, and now you've got a high-speed camera trained on trained on the on the lid here. Yeah. Uh, it's going a-, a thousand frames per second. The uh, the camera that they had put on there. All right, so three, two, one, boom! All right, now. Doctor Brownlee himself, as I, I will say, like he, you know, he he he, pretty much correctly surmised. There's no way the cap is staying on. Um, but there's now there's a range of things that could happen here, right? All right, one, you know, it's vaporized on the spot. But they, they yeah, were pretty yeah, yeah. sure they were pretty sure that's not it what won't. was happening. They okay. didn't think that was happening. Um, two, just flies off way the hell off somewhere into the uh, reaches <laughs> of the desert. Three, could it in fact? Could it, in fact, fly into space? And they blew the bomb up, uh, went to check the footage. The the manhole cover, it appeared in one frame. One single frame uh, after the blast. So that's, you know, one one thousandth of a second. And that just gives you like a lower bound to kind of calculate the speed. Right. I mean, at a certain point, it's one and it's off. Dr. Brownlee, very roughly calculations here, estimated that uh, it could have been going uh, as fast as 125,000 miles an hour. Um, Extremely fast, uh, faster if it were indeed going that fast on its own, fast enough to uh, reach escape velocity and
1: indeed make it out into space. Um, If something flies up, it eventually has to drop back down. Well, not if it hits escape velocity. No,
2: that's what escape velocity means. Escape velocity means it escapes Earth's gravity and and leaves and it's gone. That's right. That's right. That's that's what that means. Right. Now, I will tell you right now. Nobody knows exactly what happened because they never found it. They, they, they okay. never found this cap. It is, was it, it, it gone, baby. No one knows. And over the following months uh, and years, and certainly as some of these things got a little more, as uh, certainly as some of these things got a little less classified, the legend started to grow of the manhole cover that got shot into space. <laughs> now, Importantly, the Soviet Union only launched Sputnik a few months after this. Okay, later in 1957. So, if indeed it were true that this manhole cover sh- <laughs> shaft cover made it into space, it would have been the first human-created object to leave Whoa. our planet. Yeah, mm. not by design.
1: It was yeah. kind right, of though. right,
2: right, mm-hmm. right. Not long after uh, the Pascal B test, he sort of himself theorized that maybe it vaporized in the atmosphere. OK, so adding another yeah. option to those li- to oh, that, wow. list that I listed off. So kind of like a meteoroid, right, burning itself up in the atmosphere because of atmospheric friction, except, you know, going in the opposite the direction. Way. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, he he kind of later came around on that, I guess. He said, you know, he realized later it probably would not have enough time, even if it were even if it were moving that fast, and even if it did get to that height, it probably wouldn't be there long enough, you know, traveling basically perpendicular to the atmosphere to actually vaporize. So in his mind, the two only possibilities are it landed somewhere in the sand, or it is out still traveling to this day out in outer space. Yeah. I have to say, I think that it probably just somewhere out in the Nevada desert, there is a gnarly looking hunk of cast iron and maybe some concrete residue, Mm -hmm. just waiting to be discovered. Um, It doesn't even look like a
1: manhole cover anymore, right? It's like it's like
2: it'd be superheated, disfigured junk, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you said, Karen, you alluded to MythBusters, right? I mean, I remember like when they would do episodes with just you know normal style projectiles, you know, bullets or things firing them straight up. It would take Forever to try and locate those things. And, I mean, granted, uh, they're small.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: But important, again, importantly, even if it did come back, rest assured it could not fall into the hole. Yeah. (laughs) Everything is fine. Everything is fine, everybody. (laughs) Down in the nuclear hole is the safest place to be if the cover comes back. (laughs) That's right.
2: (laughs) And I I would be remiss uh, just in all these discussions of manholes and manhole covers uh, to talk just uh, a a little bit about the gendered name here. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I am absolutely in favor of of removing and, and changing gendered names Uh, for sure. And in fact, do they have a proposal? Well, so my, our very own city of Berkeley, California actually made the news uh, just a few years ago, the national news, when the city council went through the, all of the city laws and removed every bit of gendered language, you know, partly to remove confusion partly as a political statement partly as a, a just a sort of modern way of looking at laws and rules so for instance anywhere in the you know the laws that said uh, you know policeman it's now police okay. officer That's which good. yeah yeah, yeah. man made you know they talk about like man made okay. structures for the purposes of various laws is a uh, human made manhole and manhole cover were updated to and this is this is in common use in other places were updated to maintenance hole so it's a okay. maintenance mm-hmm. hole mm-hmm. and a maintenance okay. hole cover.
4: Did you did you want like person hole cover?
2: <laughs> you don't want a <laughs> yeah. person that's, hole. That's person no. hole cover is just silly. You couldn't say that without snickering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah u- utility access hole yeah. access hatch is another common term. Yeah. So I just wanted to at least mention that I am I am aware of of the uh, attempts to to change that. So yeah, imagine that there might be a flying maintenance hole cover somewhere out in space or laying in the utility.
1: I like utility. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Covers a lot of different possible types of holes and pipes. <laughs> Cover all your <laughs> holes. All right. So we have a listener challenge for the next few episodes. Uh, Chris last season made a, a crazy adventure, um, but what I have made is is very experimental, and I hope it works out well. Um, so during the break between this season and last season. Wordle, we talked about Wordle before, Mm -hmm. um, really started to gain a whole lot of steam. I was trying to think of different ways to bring that Wordle experience into a a podcast audio form. So I did come up with a puzzle. And so here is my Wordle listener challenge that we're going to be doing for the next couple of episodes. Pretend there is a person who is playing Wordle. And all you have is their list of five entry attempts. You know, when you play Wordle, you have six chances to guess the right word in Mm. Six Chances, but all you have is another person's list of five word attempts in order. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge is, can you use this information and work backwards to figure out what exactly is the correct word? Yeah. Now, this person is a pretty casual Wordle player, meaning... They don't bank or bench the letters. Uh, They will never repeat wrong letters. Uh, If they get a letter right, they will always use it in their next guess. Um, If they get a letter in the right place, they will always keep that letter in that place for their next guess. Very standard player. For this episode, the five word attempts that I'm about to read to you, and it's in order from their first guess, second guess, third guess, fourth guess, fifth guess. And can you backwards solve and find out what? The actual correct word is. Here we go. Guess number one, faith, F A I T H, faith. Second guess is spoke, S P O K E. Third guess is buxom, like buxom boba. Yeah. Buxom, B U X O M. Fourth guess is wood, W O U L D. And the fifth guess is Gourd, G-O-U-R-D. So there you go. Faith, Spoke, Buxom, Wood, and Gourd. And just to give you kind of a little, you know, little hint to start you off, the first two guesses are Faith and Spoke. None of the letters in Faith showed up in the second guess Spoke. So you can pretty much cross off that it's not going to be F-A-I-T or H. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the logic. And you get into the the mind of this very standard a Wordle player person. Mm-hmm. And so if you figure out the word, the secret word, you can head over uh, to our website, goodjobbrain.com, and you'll see a Wordle puzzle section and you can put your answer there. And that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me and thank you guys listeners for listening and hope you learned a lot of stuff about circles, about turntables, about utility hole covers uh, about boba and cassava plant and you can find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and on all podcast apps and on our website goodjobbrain.com this podcast is part of airwave media podcast network visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other shows like infamous america subtext and big picture science and we'll see you guys next week bye, bye. bye.